0: lovely notes from giuseppe verde meantime time for another edition of A sit down world football index's podcast of calcio told like it is and always on the highest level frank cravello here happy that you have uh, clicked on and gotten stuck in with us and we want to welcome our listeners tuning into us from spotify richard carmen my co-host ciao richard we're on spotify yes we
1: are frank uh yeah so welcome to listeners on spotify uh Uh, yeah, it's another any basically anything anywhere we stream or anywhere people can stream music is where you can find us. So yeah, we're just branching out there.
0: Did you catch my vocal inflection about that too? I mean, I'm I'm pretending to be excited about this because I've never, (laughs) I've never done anything with Spotify before in my life. I guess it's a thing. Yeah, Yeah. it's Uh, awesome. It's an
1: awesome site actually.
0: I got Pandora, so you know when I listen to my music, I listen on Pandora. You know, and I work out or. Uh, you know, walk the dog or anything like that. I go to Panda, you know, I don't, you know, otherwise it becomes too many things. And then I just could, I get, I'm 43 years old, Richard. I'm just at that. That's
1: so 2013, you know, Frank.
0: Well, yeah, I'm past that. <laughs> I'm past that. I'm Pat. I, I'm at that age of, or, or just, I'm at that generation where, you know, I, I want to keep it to like one app per, you know, applicate. you know, per use, you know, I don't want to, you because know, if I do, you know, because then I'm Pandora and Spotify, you know, and then I don't know which end is up. And, and, you know, I need, I need some simplicity in my life, you know? So, um, you know, so that's just, that's just how I roll with that. But no, I mean, Spotify. Okay. It's great. I mean, and I'm not trying to downplay Spotify. We're excited. We're, you know, welcome to all of our listeners that are catching us there. Uh, you know, we are, you know, for those of you that are, that are new in, in Spotify, I guess there's a pretty decent audience. So we better explain ourselves we're a recap show on steroids you know we recap uh what happened in the previous match week and said yeah we cover some of the newsworthy things we do get into some of the european competitions uh and um you know we also will come up with some uh with some fun topics uh so um you know we do thank you uh for for listening to us and hopefully we don't let you down uh richard uh so what we're going to do today here uh just to give everybody's appetite we're going to go over er everything that happened in Europe last week. It's crazy. We're doing this on a Tuesday night. We waited for all of the games in Match Week 16 to be over with before we recorded. Uh, So we're probably one of the last (laughs) podcasts out there uh, for for, uh, Serie A uh, for Match Week 16. We wanted to get through that Bologna-Milan game when in reality we probably didn't have to. Right. Um, Exactly. (laughs) So, um, But uh, we do have Europe to talk about uh, some incidents that happened throughout the weeks and just worst week ever for Italian football in Europe in in my opinion. Um look ahead to the draws from those games. We'll recap match week 16 all 10 games and, and then finally at the end uh, Richard and I are going to have a Christmas a Christmas wish for each team in Serie A or holiday wish for uh for those of you that want to uh keep it modern and PC. So um but uh, a a large a large majority of people on the peninsula I be, I, I believe and assume celebrate Christmas given it's catholic or christian and things like that right richard
1: yes frank i believe they call it natale but
0: yeah <laughs> one natale one natale. Bon so, natale yeah yeah so let's go through and we're going to start with the worst week ever uh, in 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 the history of italian football in europe in Serie A, um you know as it pertains to the club teams uh, and we'll begin with the champions league we went into this with the very with the possibility the belief and the hope that there would be four teams from the uh, Serie A in the UEFA Champions League knockout stage. In the end, it was only two. Um, and we'll start with Inter, Richard, going out, um, drawing at home to PSV with Tottenham drawing at the Camp nou, uh by a goal to one. Uh, I want your take on this. Um, here's my take. And I firmly stand behind this. Barcelona earned the right to do whatever they wanted to do with that game. Um, and they had, they earned the right to put whatever lineup they wanted to put up. They wanted to call up you and me to play in that game. We would have said yes and we would have gone. I would have said yes and gone. I would have loved to have played football in the Camp No. Um, even if it was for Barcelona, just to, just to have the experience. But I mean, I don't, I'm not going to be mad at Barcelona. I'm not besmirching them for that. And Inter fans shouldn't do that to them because on the flip side, Inter, you had one job and the the result in the other game was there for you. You had to just better that draw. You had to beat PSV. And, um, you can't get casual and let them sneak in an early goal and then find yourself fighting to try to reverse that reverse that result. This is all inter just totally dropped this inter choke. That's my take on this has nothing to do with what Barcelona put out against Tottenham.
1: You're absolutely correct. I mean, I said this on the last podcast that I'd expect Barcelona to get a draw at minimum. They're not going to play their best lineup and they're going to do good enough just to get a draw. And they did. Uh I said Inter had to come out and score early because if you give PSV confidence, it's gonna be a hard day's a hard days job. And what happens, PSV goes and scores early and then Inter are playing catch up and yeah, they absolutely choked in this one. Uh they deserve to be out of the out of, out of the Champions League because frankly you had one job like you said, Frank, and they couldn't do it. It's I mean, yes, PSV is a good team, uh, but still you're at home you should be able to capitalize on something like this. If you want to be one of the echelon, upper echelon teams in not only Serie A, but in the world, you need to win games like this. And they stunk it up.
0: And, I mean, an Inter has themselves to blame. They've got no right to blame PSV if they wanted to put their best lineup out, which is pretty damn close to what they did. Mark Van Bommel went ahead and said it. I played for Milan. This is a personal yep, derby. I knew that was going to happen, too. And he put his best team out there. you got to go and beat them. Um, and uh, you know, if Coutinho for Barcelona hit the post twice, one of those goes in, we're talking a totally different uh, story. We're talking about Inter in the next round of the Champions League instead of in the Europa League. So, you know, it, it, came down for Inter, it came down to one goal, and I think that that's where the entertainment value is. Okay, you fine, you don't get Lionel Messi for a full 90 minutes. And then when, when, when Messi did go in, because I did watch that game, Richard, he, he couldn't have cared less. I mean, it was 30 minutes. It was, 30 minutes. it was 30 minutes of DGAF football from Lionel Messi of the highest order. Yeah. <laughs> Just crazy. Speaking of which, Napoli. One goal. One goal. One goal at Anfield. One goal at Zerena Zvezda. Don't allow the late goal to Zerena Zvezda at the San Paolo. Don't allow the late Angel Dina Maria goal. That's how close they were in a very tough group with PSG and Liverpool.
1: It's true. One goal. And really, this game was missed opportunities. They had their chances. Milik had his chance. Callejon had his chance. I think Mertes had a good chance in this game. They all missed their opportunities. And Mo Salah, he capitalized on the one mistake Koulibaly made. And I'm sorry, anybody listening to here, you want to tell me Virgil van Dijk's one of the best defenders in the world. He's not Koulibaly. Koulibaly is... Probably the best defender in the world. He had one mistake, which really it was not his fault. It was Rui who lost his guy, and he kind of stumbled and lost. So he did. He got beat. It's fair, but he has what he did in that game too. He, I mean, he he was spectacular. I just the bottom line is Liverpool had an opportunity and they finished it, and Napoli did not. They only have themselves themselves, themselves to blame.
0: really, do you throw a little blame at at Ospina there? That's a near post. He gets oh, yeah, near yeah, post on that, that no, solid goal. Had that. I mean I think he should have come up with that. Absolutely. So, he should have had that. Okay, yeah, because that's that's the other thing that I that 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 kind of struck me when I saw uh when I saw that goal happen. I mean, I understand you know, Koulibaly can't be everywhere, uh, even though he tries to be everywhere, which which speaks highly about his talent. It seemed like um, there were five of him on the pitch too, at, at some points. Gracious. I mean, I you, he's just he he played his and and this is why I thought, and I thought going in, I thought this game, there wasn't going to be, people were thought, thinking this was going to be a goal fest, it was going to be wide open. I said, no. I said, here's the thing, I think, I thought, and I didn't see much of this game, but I thought that both teams would be setting up maybe in mid-block when they didn't have the ball. They weren't going to go nuts and try to press. I mean, if one team fell behind, they were going to have to, but because they both believed in their counterattacks, but at the same time, while they believed in their counterattacks, each team has a very good defender. I think Koulibaly is an elite defender. I think, I actually think Virgil Van Dyke's a very good defender. I, would, I I think he's just, he's on the brink of elite. Um, but, yeah, yeah. you know, each team had a defender that they could be proud of that could defuse any counterattack. I thought this would be a slugfest. I thought this would be tight. And I thought this would be low scoring for those very reasons. And that's, that's what ended up happening. It ended up being a goal to nil for Liverpool. It ended up not being a goal fest. I might have, I might have predicted the, the goal fest last week. Uh, but then, as I was thinking about it a little bit more and how the, I thought the teams would set up, then you know, we 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 got kind of what I thought would happen. We just needed one more goal from Napoli, and and man, Milik. Um, is that or does that is that just reflect how good and how you know that uh, Alisson is really worth seventy million or whatever Liverpool spent for him?
1: Uh, to be fair, really, I think. It was Milik making Alisson looking good on that one play in particular because it was right at Alisson. I give credit to Alisson, he made the save, right? But Milik should have done a lot better with that shot. Now, in the rest of the game, Alisson made some great saves, um, no doubt about it. I'll speak out to his credit, made some great saves too because this could have been a goal fest for Liverpool at some points, it seemed like. But, um, yeah, that one play in particular that you're talking about, I thought Milik made the play look better for Alisson, like, you know, hitting it directly towards him. And you know, all credit to the goal he made the save. So,
0: I mean, at the most, Milik put it on frame and put Alisson in a position where he had to make a save. Yeah, uh, and it was a
1: but, reaction save, no doubt
0: about it. Yeah, so I mean, Napoli's one goal away. It's just painful, um, you know. And uh, you know, we'll talk about them a little bit. And we'll talk about Inter with the uh, Europa League draws. Both of them finished third uh, in their respective groups. Uh, the two teams that are qualifying, uh, I mean, Roma. GAF at Pilsen and uh yep. but what did you make of what did you make of Di Francesco running uh Manolas and uh, Kolarov out there I I for sure didn't think they were gonna play
1: yeah I it's maybe it was more about you know putting off a good getting get some good momentum uh out there because uh they haven't played really particularly well and maybe he's just trying to get any kind of momentum by having some some better def- his better defenders out there but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I really don't know what he was thinking in this one, and maybe just a panic move that he made to put those uh, those two players in the lineup. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a peculiar one for sure. What'd you make of it?
0: I I was actually very surprised. Uh, I thought we were you know I thought we were going to see uh, some scrubs play this game. Roma was second; they weren't going to have a chance to win the group. They weren't going to do any better. I thought that this would be a rest opportunity for players like Manolas and, and Kolarov, but I, I maybe Di Francesco looked at this as if he wanted some semblance of veteran leadership out there when guys like Clybert and Nunder are, are playing. Sheik is starting leading the line up front. Pastore returning to get his legs under him, you know, as some of the names that were, uh, you know, put into this lineup. Cristante was out there. Uh, so, you know, I think he maybe wanted some blend of veteran presence. In that lineup, he didn't want to go totally with the kids for a game, even if it meant nothing. Uh, but that's the only reason why you would play Manolas and 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 Kolarov in a game like that. So um, it was very interesting to see. And then Juventus uh, were first in the group. They're going to end up first in the group. And boy, did they get lucky uh, because Manchester United or Jose Mourinho set the tone for – pretty much set the tone for match week six and saying that he – you know, he do, he expects Juventus to win at Young Boys, so he's not going to really care about what happens at the Mestalla against Valencia. Yep. And, you know, subsequently Manchester United didn't particularly care about that game either and ended up losing. Um, and had they actually cared, we'd be talking about Juventus finishing second in this group. They lose at Young Boys. Uh, clearly the biggest win in the history of, of, of Young Boys. I don't know them very well. I'm just going to make that assumption. Um, but, um, for a, a, a favorite in the champions league, um, they got a little lucky here.
1: Yeah. And really, it's really lucky if you really look at it because not only do they still finish first in the group, I would, I would rather slightly play Atleti more than I would PSG because that's who Manchester United have to play as PSG. So, uh, in that respect, you know, it's slightly better to play them, but then again, you know, defense, it's gonna be that's gonna be a tasty game for either way, but yeah, you know, they finished first in the group. Um, ultimately, that decision by Mourinho ended up costing him his job. Well, also, the game against Liverpool later in the week, but um, it's gonna be interesting here for Juventus going forward. I did not expect a result like that. I thought at minimum they would get a draw, and to lose the young boys with a arguably their best lineup, uh, it's it's uh, head scratching.
0: It is, um, you know. <laughs> I don't know if they kind of went in and with the attitude that they they thought they were going to have this one. It's 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 hard to really uh, it's hard to really understand <clears throat> you know for Juventus to go and, and, and put up a clunker like that. At a, you know you wouldn't have you wouldn't have thought that. You kind of thought okay we'll go there we'll win one 0 we'll just go handle our business and we'll get out of there. Um, but uh, you know disappointing all altogether but very lucky um, you know to still qualify as uh, winners of Group H over Manchester United. Um, So, now, uh, and you talk about the draw, you brought up Atlético Madrid, so perfect time to segue, and we'll talk about it. So, And we'll start with Juventus, as they will have to head out to the uh, Wanda Metropolitano. Did I get that right? Correcto, correcto. Okay, Wanda Metropolitano in Madrid to take on Atlético Madrid for leg one, and then it's back at the J for leg two. Atletico Madrid, Well, you might say you'd rather have Atletico Madrid than PSG, this is the one team you did not want to get out of the runners-up.
1: Yeah, it's this is going to be a defensive uh, showcase. I'm going to watch this game just for defense alone. Uh, I don't normally like to say that about soccer, but these are two very good defensive teams, and it's going to be a absolute chess match uh, to see you know who wins out Simeone or, or Max Allegri. So it'll, it'll be, from a tactician's standpoint, uh, a, a superb matchup.
0: Assuming they can stay healthy, two of the three... Two of the three best defenders in the world are going to be on display. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Diego Godin and Giorgio Chiellini, And then you have, um, you know, Koulibaly being the third, I think in that, uh, you know, in that discussion. So, um, actually it was interesting. I told my son, uh, on, uh, I told my son about the draw and he, he's making the prediction that Juventus is going to win two to one on aggregate. He thinks it's going to be low scoring. Um, he said, just knee jerk reaction. He, you know, six and a half years old. He says, It'll be one-one at Madrid, and then at home, Juventus is going to win one-nil. That's my son's prediction. He's making that right now. That's
1: uh, a fair, That's a fair assessment, actually.
0: That's not far off. No, not far off at all. I don't see a lot of goals in either of these games. I think they're going to. I think both of these teams are going to slug it out. Atletico Madrid are not going to be scared of Ronaldo. They have played him so many times, um, you know. And then just looking at looking at Atleti, um, obviously Antoine Griezmann. Uh, is is the first name on the top of the list, uh, but uh, they've got some other interesting pieces in this team. Um, right. yeah. <clears throat> you know, when you take a look at him, Koke, very good on set pieces and dead ball situations, particularly on corner kicks, can deliver a good ball. Thomas Lemar is part of that mix now. Um, it's it's up to who they pair with uh, Anton Griezmann. I hope it's Nicole Italian. It's just for fun. <laughs> Saul is a good player as well, and um, Saul scores. You want to, you know, we talk about big game Mo. Yeah, Saul scores in big games, so got to watch out for that too. I think so. the
1: nice, uh, the big matchup is going to s- probably be Diego Costa against Giorgio Chiellini. Uh, yeah, that should be a mouth-watering encounter right there.
0: Yeah, can, will Diego Costa rile these guys up uh, like he uh, like he did at his time in Chelsea when he just about riled up every uh, defender he went up against. So. Um, you know, we know the histrionics with Diego Costa. It's going to be certainly quite interesting. Um, when, uh, when they go toe to toe, I think it's going to be tight knee jerk reaction. I agree with my son. There's not going to be a lot of goals in this. Um, and it's going to come down to one odd goal that puts the team through, and hopefully Juventus can get it. Um, banging the drum for Italian football. And, um, the other, uh, participant, Roma, uh, first leg at the Olimpico against Porto second leg will be at the Dragao. Hmm. I think it, it's still the Dragao. Is it still the Dragao that they I play at? So. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Um so Roma against Porto and last time these two got together for uh, uh for a two-legged tie, it wasn't pretty for Roma. Um it was the uh playoff round uh, a couple of years ago and uh and, and and over both legs Porto pretty much wiped the floor uh with Roma. Uh, so yeah. not enough guys on that Roma team, you know, that were there at the time, uh, to remember that Jekyll was there, um, you know, uh, you know, a small handful of them. I mean, obviously De Rossi was there, but, uh, um, it, it, just feels like with all, with all of the, you know, and and we're going to talk about this with the Roman clubs here, um, Roma and Lazio, they're both very flaky to me. Um, they've been flaky all season and, um, For all of the flakiness, this just feels like something that if Di Francesco is still around to be manager of Roma uh, for this encounter, it feels like something he's going to pull out of his hat and go through.
1: Yeah, well, I got to watch a lot of Porto in the last round, and they are not the same team that that beat Roma years ago. A lot of their players have moved on. This team, it does have young, talented players, no doubt about it, but uh, they can be had. And I think Roma can have them uh, for sure. It's certainly going to be uh, Di Francesco is going to have to have play well. If they continue playing the the, the same way they're playing in Serie A, it's not going to go well for them because Porto can't score goals. But I think if it tactically, if he sets up uh, the right way, it they should they should definitely win. Probably both legs, uh, they definitely would move on. In my opinion,
0: um, Alex Telles is uh, is a danger man for Porto, uh, working from the left back position. Uh, you've got to watch out for him. Musa Marega has scored scored in five consecutive uh, group stage matches. Um, I I believe he scored in both games against your Schalke boys. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so he can be a bit of a danger up front. Uh, they, they bring some, they play in a four, three, three, they bring some wingers at you. Uh, uh, Herrera, uh, the Mexican international in midfield is very solid for them. Uh, so while there may, they may not be that Porto team of a couple seasons ago, there's still some pieces that can give this team some trouble. Um, and uh, you know, it will be worth watching. I think that the this contrary to the uh Atleti Juventus tie, I there's gonna be a there's gonna be a bunch of goals uh in the two games of in, in over the two games in this one, in my opinion. Um, you know, did watch a little bit of this port well, did watch a little bit of Porto when they played Galatasaray on the last match day. Um granted they they changed some players, but this Hernani looked like a very useful player on the break. Uh, if they use him on the wing, Brahimi is still in the picture. Uh, Corona, um, so uh, plenty of guys there. And then uh, they have Saint, they have the experience. They have the wise and shrewd Saint Iker in goal. He might not be what he was for Real Madrid, but he he brings a lot of experience to that Porto team.
1: Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make those big saves when they when Porto need it. So uh, really, it's important for Roman to get a lot of shots off an Iker and and give it, and really put him under pressure because. Uh, while he'll still make the big saves, he's not the same Eker from you know ten years ago. Like neither is Buffon. So you got to take advantage of these older goalkeepers and put a lot of put a lot of pepper on them, if you will, and 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 get them scrambling around. And I, and I think there are goals to be had. And I think it will be much more of a goal fest in that Juve Atleti game.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think that that uh, I think that that is on the cards. I think that uh, if Roma are going to go through, it's going to be something like a a. Th- Three to one, three to two, win for them at home, and then going to Porto, it's going to be they're going to have to. It's going to be a score draw of some kind, um, is what I envision over the over the course of those two legs. Um, so we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, Europa League, uh, Lazio uh, had a DGAF game against Eintracht Frankfurt and lost by two goals to one. Um, but uh, the story here, Milan bounced uh, at the group stage. Uh, at the hands of Olympiacos, uh, 3-1, which was one of two scorelines that could have eliminated them from this competition, 2-0 being the other. It was 2-0 at one point uh, on a zapata own goal. Zapata makes amends and scores on a set piece to make it 2-1. Uh, and then a penalty after an Abate foul um, led to uh, a goal for Olympiacos. Three one Milan out in the group stage. Um, I'm going to say what I said in reaction to to this when it happened on Thursday, Richard. There's nothing good about this. Milan Twitter shut up about the oh we don't have that distraction anymore. We focus on that four. You just went out of, went out of the group stage of the Europa League after this after Milan appealed to stay in the Europa League over the summer. All that to go out in the group stage.
1: Yeah, pathetic performance all around. Um uh i i'm i'm starting to be on this Gatuso out bandwagon. um i was disheartened uh i was disappointed uh this was a pathetic performance i feel like i wasted my time watching this which watching, watching this game watching these guys play uh i knew Olympiac was going to come out to play milan all they had to do is show up and they did not uh zapata you know he did make amends with getting again a goal after his own goal but and there was nothing good that I saw from them. They were not creative whatsoever, being pr- very predictable on the wings, not getting good shots off. I mean, Bakayoko played well, I guess, uh, if you want to call it that. But that's about it. Um, it was a strong lineup that they put out there. You know, compared from the weekend, it was considerably their A lineup, and yeah, they couldn't do anything with it. And they are they're lost right now, and, and uh, they deserve to be where they are because. Uh, frankly, if you can't, you can't get out the group stages of the Europa League, you don't deserve to be in it. So, you know, good riddance.
0: Yeah. Uh, good riddance indeed. I, I certainly agree with that. uh, you know, if you're not going to, if you're not going to prove you're good enough, you don't belong. Um, uh, I'm with you on that. I'm, I'm with you on that sentiment if you're not, but then at the same time, players were crying afterward going out in the group stage. Well, you, you had, you, you had a job to do, do the job. I mean, it's, uh... It's, it's disheartening. I mean, the combination, it, it, here's what happened, really, Richard. I mean, the combination of Abate and Zapata as your center back pairing finally caught up to Milan. Yeah. And especially with Pepe Reina and goal, who's not what he used to be as a goalkeeper. Fine. He's good with his, yeah, he's, he's good with his feet. Okay. But, you know, when, when you have to, if you really care about this competition and you have to have it, Donnarumma should have played in goal. Okay. Um, to, to hell with his feet. It's not a game – you know, it's a game where you're going on the road. You have to expect – Olympiacos have to go for it. Expect them to have some superiority in possession. Um Expect them to try to take command of the game and have a goalkeeper that can stop shots. Donnarumma is a better shot stopper than Reyna is. Um You know, and then the, the, the Abate-Zapata center-back combination finally caught up to them. Um It's where I was screaming afterward, and I said, this might sound crazy, but even with Caldara, Musacchio, and Romagnoli – Milan should go and find a center back in January. Okay. I understand Zapata's probably played pretty well. He played well today. We'll get to that later. Um, he was probably the only one that played well for Milan today. Um, but, you know, to make sure you don't have that Abate Zapata combination ever again, get another center back. Make that part of your priority in January. But, uh, you don't, I don't think they're going to do that. But, um, you know, Kessie and Bakioka are getting run into the ground. Uh, and then, again, Gattuso with the substitutions. And I'm going to have a comment about this when we get into Bologna Milan. You don't... I mean, Laxalt coming on for a forward, when they were down 2-1, um, you make that substitution in the 90th minute when it's still 2-1, not in the 80th minute when you still might possibly need a goal.
1: Yeah, it's... Uh, the this theme of bad substitutions keeps rearing its head. Uh, it happened again uh, in Match Week 16. We'll get to that, like you said. But it's, how many times can we beat a, a dead horse, right? Uh, right? It's the same thing. You're, you're absolutely right. Bring on a forward when you need to score goals earlier in the game, not at the end. Bring in, you know, Don't put it on Laxalt Lex, that early in the game for a forward, two. It's just... It screams that he doesn't know what he's doing, and you know, right. while we while we give him all the credit in the world, he does stuff like this, and it's like, oh come on, man, how can I defend you when you do stuff like that?
0: Right, right, you know? right. It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's just bizarre. Um, it, I, I thought it was a, I, I thought it was a crazy decision to make that move at the particular time. I understand you want to protect a specific result that gets you through to the knockouts, but there, you you got to keep the possibility that you might still need a goal. Um, you know, you don't want to, you want to rule that out. So, uh, let's batch the, uh, draw for the Europa League for the three teams that are in it. Cause Inter and Napoli drop to the, um, uh, Europa League, uh, as a result of finishing third in their group in the champions league. Napoli, uh, will open, uh, the round of 32 traveling to, uh, FC Zurich, uh, from Switzerland. Uh, Milan fans know FC Zurich very well from a few years ago. Um, and then, uh, we have Inter will spend mat- the first leg of that round of 32 on the road, uh, at Rapid. Is it Rapid Vienna? Yes, Rapid Vienna. Yes, yes. Um, and then Lazio will be at the Olympico hosting Sevilla. Uh, considering how flaky Lazio are, and we're going to have a theme throughout this, flaky Roman teams. Um, uh, Lazio's journey ends in the round of 32. This Sevilla team's really good.
1: Yeah, Sevilla is pushing Barcelona for the La Liga title this season. They are playing very, very well. This is going to be the end of Lazio. But again, saying that, Lazio, we, they're very unpredictable. They could very well go and turn on the turn on the juggernaut now and all of a sudden learn how to score again, and they could pull a shock win. But I am not expecting that. I, I fully expect Sevilla to win probably both legs in this one.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh... Uh, it, it's going to be a bloodbath. There's really nothing with Lazio these days that make me feel good about them. Um, you know, all things considered, we'll talk about their game with Atalanta here later too. Um, uh, Inter at Rapid Wien. If if Inter care about this competition, this is an easy uh, advance for them. Um, uh, you know, the Aust- the only Austrian team that I rate is uh, is Salzburg, um, and uh, you know they could they could sit icardi they could play Lotaro up front they could play Keita Balde instead of petersic and i think that they would have enough to go through in this in this round
1: yeah they certainly uh have the advantage in this round and they should go with fairly fair fair amount of ease into the next round I, i'm going to go with that um a team or b team and they should they should be fairly effortlessly
0: Ex- exactly all right, let's get to the let's get to the one that I, I, I definitely want to cover here, uh, Napoli. Uh, you know, not just because they're playing, I mean, they're playing FC Zurich, but last year Napoli treated um, the Europa League. It was a it was it was DJ DGAF um, because they had bigger fish to fry. They were trying to win a scudetto, uh, understandably so, in Saudi was playing the same thirteen or fourteen players with. Napoli being eight points back of Juventus at this stage of the uh, Scudetto chase, Um you know, unless, and, and, and right now the way Juventus are playing and the way they're organized and set up, I, there's just no, to me, there's no chance anyone's catching them. I think, okay, you need to start. I think that uh, here's, here's where I'm, here's where I'm at with this, Richard. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of rambling a little bit, but. I think Aurelio De Laurentiis' ownership of Napoli is already validated as a presence, not just in Italian football, but on the continent in Europe. People look at Napoli now and respect what they do and respect them as an opponent. They've achieved that. But I think to further validate De Laurentiis' Napoli, there needs to be a trophy. And I think they need to take this competition seriously. And if they do, they're going to win this Europa League, and they might end up winning this in a walk.
1: Yeah, if you look at all the teams that are left in Europa League, they are arguably one of the top two teams, maybe even three, if you want to be if you want to be generous with somebody else.
0: Um, I'll put if- them. I'll, I'll I'll tell you this: them, Sevilla, and I'll say the two Premier League teams, Chelsea and Arsenal, because if if Saudi and, and Emery decide they care about this competition, they'll put their best players out there.
1: Okay. That's, that's fair. Um, and I would, I would give a a, 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 maybe the fifth team I'll put in there would probably be Eintracht. That's just me. That's a surprise dark horse for me. Um, yeah, Napoli, Achalotti was brought in to win titles, right? They were obviously going for the Champions League. That's not going to happen. I think Carlo will still go for this title. He hasn't won a Europa League, uh, yet. So, hey, hey, I mean, it's not Champions League, but it's a trophy. Um, at this present moment, the gap in Syria is is big. Um, I do think there's opportunity at the Champions League, if Juventus continue on, that there's opportunity that they could, you know, with the big lead, they could, you know, forget about a couple of Serie A games, do, do throwaway games, and maybe the, the pack can come back a little bit. Until that time comes, I think Napoli should definitely focus on Europa League, uh, do well there. And, and, I mean, they got enough players that, you know, to, Encelotti rotates. So I think, you know, they can do enough to do well in both competitions and I think for sure Encelotti is gonna he's gonna push in, in Europa League and try to get results there.
0: Sure, sure. And uh I think and I and we'll be we'll, we'll see. I mean the, the lineup that Encelotti puts out against Zurich is gonna be the telltale sign. Um if he puts out his strongest team then you know or close to his strongest team. If is out there right. um, <clears throat> you know some of these other guys then you know that they're in it to win it. And they're going to have every bit of a chance as a Sevilla, as a Chelsea, as a Arsenal. Um, you know, and in your case, because you love your Bundesliga, Eindruck Frankfurt will give you that. Um, and, uh, you know, th- they'll be, uh, they'll be in it with a shout. And I think that they'll have when I, cause I'm looking at the rest of these teams that are in this draw and, and nobody really flatters me. I mean, yeah, I get to your point, Frankfurt. Um, they're going to play Shakhtar, which, um, this is not the same Shakhtar um they leak goals like crazy uh um you know Villarreal could be an interesting prospect if they can ever get their act together and that's about it you know some of these there's some brand names here but that's they're, they're just that brand names they're not very good so I strongly think Napoli are among the favorites maybe the favorite to win this competition um <clears throat> and let's see how invested if Sevilla thinks they've got a shot at La Liga over Barcelona, we'll see if they yeah. lose their interest in this. But the thing about Sevilla and just kind of you know, chronicling them through this competition so far and kind of having a look at them, you know, they're so deep. I mean, they they, they can rotate their strikers. And Andre Silva goes and plays in La Liga and then they go and play um uh, you know, ben Yedder and Muriel and, and and promise, and and they've got a number of guys that they can throw in different competitions. So they've got the depth to handle things on both fronts. So, you know, so maybe they don't. Uh, you know, maybe they will uh, go for both things. And Sevilla are kind of considered the kings of this competition too. Yeah, because they've won it so many damn times.
1: I think Napoli should look at it this way, right? They they want their ultimate game is to do well in Champions League. But if you're not in Champions League, you need to have opportunity to practice, if you will. Why mm-hmm. not, why not try, why not try in Europa League? Get the European experience. Cause some of these teams will probably be in Champions League eventually, right? So You're get right. the experience in the big atmospheres and learn how to play in the, in this kind of games. And then when you get into Champions League spots where you have an opportunity to win, maybe like another Liverpool game where you got to get a goal or whatever to win, you'll be experienced enough to overcome any kind of pressure that may be there. So, uh, they should certainly take this seriously because I think it's a great experience for them. And Ancelotti will let them see that.
0: certainly deal with being in the knockout stage, you know, to certainly deal with being in knockout stage competitions and have that experience. I think that this is a great situation for Napoli to be in and they need to take advantage of it. So, um, those are our takes. We think Napoli are, have the best shot out of the Italian teams to win the Europa league. Juventus clearly still have the best shot out of who's left in the champions league. Um, what are your thoughts on the draw with the champions league and Europa league? You can, uh, follow us at Seria Sit Down on Twitter or Instagram. Richard is going to fire away at Match Week 16.
1: Yes, Frank. Uh, so we had uh, Match Week 16. Uh, we're going to do a, a a quick version of the summary of all the games I went through. We're going to go in chron- chronological order. Uh, we're going to start with Inter uh, hosting Udinese. This one was certainly an interesting one. Uh, Inter coming off a, I'm going to call it a defeat in Champions League. It was a draw, but uh, nonetheless, trying to get back on the winning ways. And Udinese is a team who um, has been up and down as of late, pretty much all season long, really. So uh, this one, it started out early. uh, Early, there's the corner kick in the first half for Internazionale. It comes in the box. Icardi gets a flick off. Uh, He nearly scores. A um, little bit later, Borja Valero. He's coming down the down the pitch. Um, he feeds Keita Balde. His shot goes just over the bar. Inter certainly pressing in this one, uh, but it would not be only one way. In the second half, uh, Seiko Fofana. Uh, he passes uh, through the box to Man- Mandragora, uh, wide open, and he misses a sitter. Frank. uh This is a great opportunity for the Juventus uh, academy player to to go uh, get one on one of the rivals, and uh, he misses there. Uh, and shortly after, Fofana again uh, playing provider uh, finds Teravest for again wide open at the top of the box. He misses his chance, but he he's a right back. You expected him to miss those kind of opportunities. Finally, though, there was a chance at a uh, a goal in this one, and in the 76th minute, Fofana, who's been doing so many good things in this game, he gets a handball, and it leads to an Acardi penalty kick. He scores with a Paneca uh win the game one nothing did you see this penalty kick by Icardi
0: goal of the week hands down I love a Penenka I love it I love uh, it yeah um and, and he, he
1: could look like an idiot too if he missed it but he didn't and it was
0: beautiful. yeah, yeah it was it was it was brilliantly executed and uh and uh yeah th- that was the uh that was the goal of the match week for me um we had that right on the first game of the 10 games we didn't even need to see the rest of the goals to know that that's going to top everything uh there's just something about a Penenko when you see it. It's just, it's, it's one of those, is it just, it, cause it, it, it's, it's, it's the equivalent of pantsing the goalkeeper. Exactly. <laughs> and, exactly. You know, it's really what that is. And that's what Icardi did, uh, to this poor, to this poor bastard that played in goal for Udinese, uh, Musso, the, uh, uh, Musso, and, and Musso's a decent goalkeeper. You know, talking to some of our friends at World, at WFI, they think Musso could be a future Argentina goalkeeper. So. Um, but, uh, well done, uh, well taken. And, um, but a little worrying to me when it comes to Inter now, because they have the, the pain of being eliminated from the champions league at the group stage that they, they played really well in those games. They, there's really, you know, aside from just that the blunder that led to the PSV goal on match day six, there's, there's not a whole lot they did wrong, you know? Um, and, and, and they played a great group stage and it's kind of, kind of shattering for them you know to find you know so i'm not sure if this is a a team that was in letdown mode that or if this is still a resourceful inter that found the resources to get three points in this game i'm still i'm still processing that as far as inter um you know and as far as my evaluation of the inter but uh um I thought they should have handled it. I thought, you know, most teams would have been in that situation, at least me. I would have been angry and would have taken it out of the next team I played. I would have expected a three or four nil win here for Inter, not a one nil.
1: Yeah, I know. absolutely. But I, I think it was a little bit of uh, kind of what you're talking about there. It's kind of a little bit of a rust that they're still trying to get over, a little hangover. But then they found their way, and, I, and I'm going to go and say it was a resourceful, almost said Juventus, a resourceful Inter in this one and getting a result because they had been doing it for for the better part of the the last month up until that game against PSV. Really, so um, I, I I thought it was a, a a win that they they deserved for sure. It was a hard hard fought game for sure because uh, Seiko Fofano was having an excellent game, trying to set up people left and right, and his, just his teammates could not capitalize on those opportunities. So a uh, good win for Inter in this one. Uh, next, we're gonna go to the, uh, big derby in Torino, Derby della Mole. Uh, Torino playing host in this one. Um, unfortunately for Torino, you know, they got a, a fantastic little goalkeeper, Cirigu. Uh, he got an injury early on in the game, and then, uh, around the 20th minute or so, Ronaldo had a great opportunity to score. Cirigu makes a save. He goes down in pain. He pretty much stays down. He gets subbed out in the 20th minute for Ichazo, uh, the young Uruguayan, uh, goalkeeper. Um, both goalies, he and Perrine, uh, who got the start in this one, uh, exchanged saves in the first half. Um, moving on into the second half, because that's really, really the action really picked up. Um, there was a, uh, a penalty missed, in my opinion, Frank, and I want to get your opinion on this. Alexandro, in my opinion, took down Zaza in the box, pulled his jersey, pulled him back. Uh, referee, no call. What did you make on that? Do you think it was a penalty, or did you think it
0: was a good no call? Perrine got huleged yes plain and simple plain and simple that's a penalty all day long because you know if you're gonna give if you're gonna give you a penalty the other way for what happened there and i i get that oh that's a that's a that's a stone cold penalty um and a damn shame good
1: yeah yeah no uh that that, that's a penalty in my opinion too i was pissed off i thought Torino got screwed in that in that moment Um, it was, I was curious to see what Ichato, how he would do in Sidi as his replacement. Uh, he did really well. He got big in a couple opportunities. I know he made a big save on Matuidi. Um, Zaza, um, he was doing, um, the goal that ended up happening for, for, or the penalty, I should say, that ended up happening that you were talking about. Uh, Zaza was doing a little too much, uh, defensive backtracking. He prevented Gigi from, his defender from getting the ball. Uh, continued on trying to make a stupid back pass to his goalkeeper uh, poor pass uh, he came out trying to get it but Mandzukic beat him to the ball I thought that was a good penalty there Um, yeah. obviously Ronaldo comes up and stops, stops up the score but um, would you make a Zaza with his overcompensation of playing defense and, and and causing that bad turnover
0: that's why nines need to just stay up front yeah <laughs> Yeah. And let defenders defend. I actually remember it was an old, it was an old VHS, it was an old tape I had, VHS. The days of VHS and, and DCRs to our young people out there who are just now like, what the hell is he talking about? Yeah. Um, uh, it's an old British video called Own Goals and Gaps. It's hosted by a, a Danny Baker. And I remember one of his lines on, on, on one of the videos. He narrates it and he said, this is exactly why nine shouldn't come back and defend. They're no good at it. So there's and, only
1: one nine in the world that I would ever want to be backtracking, in, and that's Menzukic because he's shown that he can have defensive responsibilities. Other than that, well, nobody else could
0: Kut- Kutrone when he yeah. when, you know he's done yeah. that sometimes. He's committed himself to it. Fair enough. Um So Simone Zaza gets to add this to his pile of calamity. <laughs> um along you know, this is right up there. This is I mean, the, the, the pen, it, this doesn't beat that, that penalty attempt in the Euros against Germany because that was on a much grander stage. I get this as a derby. Um, but that was just, I, I don't get it. I just like, just kick it into row 10 or something. <laughs> you know, I don't know what you're doing there. Um, a rush of blood to the head or, or, or something. Um, but but no I, you know he's that's a, just a, add that to add that to the things in Simone's eyes Azza's life that he's not going to live down so
1: <laughs> well ronaldo would step up he would take the penalty and then strangely enough he goes right at the goalkeeper Ichazzo chest bumps him and then a uh, nearly a brawl broke out with after that happened uh ronaldo would pick up a yellow for doing that to the goalkeeper, what did you make of that play? Because I didn't see anything that the goalkeeper did to Ronaldo or say anything to him before the kick. I watched several highlights of this, didn't see anything. I know afterwards they made up, but what do you make of Ronaldo? Have you ever seen that Ronaldo or any player going after a goalie after he's scoring and then chest muffing him?
0: I don't know. What are you, you know? Yeah, what are you doing? This poor kid comes in, has to, you know, has to be thrust into this game. And First of all, I- I- Icazo is his name. he played Icazo, well Icazo, yeah, oh yeah, yeah he's he played well, except for the penalty, and the penalty you really can't put on him, you got to put that on Zaza. Zaza put him in that situation. We could be talking about a nil nil draw and Ica- they could the-, the Torino fans could be uh, requesting or putting in a, uh, a a petition to put in a to-, to build a statue for this kid, um but you know, of this kid's likeness. but uh, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, Ronaldo, stop it seriously. I mean, it, it, you know what we—this is the equivalent. This is old man syndrome trying to trying to boss a kid around. That's what it is. That I'm really trying to show a kid what's good for him, and it just—it came off. It came off weird, and you know he deserved a yellow for it. So not as not as not as bad as him pulling the the Valencia player's hair in the Champions. No, that so. was
1: fucking. R- wild. Sorry, excuse my French, but that was. You know, ridiculous. I've been saying
0: DGAF the whole time. And you're the one with the sailor's mouth. There you go. Good for you. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm trying to keep it clean. Oh, I know, I know.
1: Wait, you you pulled up a ridiculous scenario, and I couldn't help myself because that was a ridiculous moment by Ronaldo in the Champions League against Valencia. So, uh, I digress.
0: Uh, moving on. Um... Yeah, let's move on. This, uh, I mean, it, th- th- this is this is Juve doing what Juve does. I mean, they, they they win one nil. They move on. They don't. They don't. They don't care about style points. They care about three points, and yep. that's that's what they do.
1: And a, and a good derby win for them. Uh, so obviously they're still in first place. Doesn't hurt them anything. Uh, obviously increases their lead. If anything else, uh, I'm going to go into the next game, which was Kievo. This ended zero zero. Normally I'd skip over something like this, but this was actually the best of the zero zero games this weekend, in my opinion. Um, and that's 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 saying something because uh, well, we'll get to that game later. Did Mateo uh,
0: have to do? Did Mateo have to do this game? Yeah, he should have. <laughs> was this on ESPN News? Is this the one he had to do?
1: Uh, it might have actually. I think yes, it was. Actually, it was. Yes, it was.
0: Good. Yes, he deserved um, a nil, he deserved a nil nil game for some of the things he had been saying lately on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know him. I I mean, I don't know him personally, and I don't really have a grudge against him. But man, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs>
1: Uh, so early in this one, Kievo was actually doing a lot of good in this game. Uh, Pelissier, uh, his shot was saved by Gomez. Uh, he followed up with a rebound. Uh, it was cleared off the line by Lazzari. Uh, he was making amends for a missed chance just minutes earlier. Um, they went to the, uh, goal line technology. Goal line technology said it was out. No, no goal. But, uh, good, good backtracking by him to come back and, and make up for his mistake earlier in the game. Um, that's pretty much everything that happened in the first half. Second half, uh, Yasmin Kurtich came close with a, a nice, really, strike from distance. Uh, just going over the bar. Um, a little bit later, uh, Poloski, uh, uh, he had an opportunity to give spa the lead in the game. Bonnie, though, the defender throws himself in front, makes a, gr- a great save right on the goal line, really, to to stop a point-blank shot by Puloski. And then, uh, you know, just before the end of the game, Plokkari... Uh, he takes a great left-hand, left-footed strike. It hits off the crossbar. That's as close as either team would make it. Uh, 0-0 game. Despite being 0-0 and despite being Spall in Kievo, it was actually fairly entertaining in this one. So, um, they had two, two teams in the bottom of the table. Um, I, I would have thought Spall, who has shown for the most part of the season that they're pretty consistent and they can be out of the relegation fight struggled to, you know, get a goal against Kievo who is the bottom of the team, the bottom of the league. So um, what did you make of Spall not being able to uh, score on Chievo? Just Is this about Kievo finally maybe starting to show up in games or, or what?
0: Policia had five shots on target.
1: Yeah, he wanted to score, and he, he had chances. He just
0: couldn't. Your boy. <laughs> and, I mean, five shots on target with two of them being really big chances. You know, um, this is one that, that, uh, you know, on the one end, I want to say this is two points dropped for Spall, but on the other end, Kievo had the better chances to win this game. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Gomis came up and, and made some, made some big saves in this game that, that, that kept Spall, that helped Spall preserve the point. And we've seen Gomis do this before. Sorrentino was called on to make a couple of big saves as well. So this was a game where the goalkeepers shined. This is a game where the strikers just, they were there. The opportunities were there. They just didn't finish on another day. This is, you know, like you said, for, for nil nil, this was actually pretty entertaining. Uh, and this could have been two two. Um, so, but, uh, you know, spall when you're in a relegation scrum against the last place team, you have to take three points from these guys. Yep. Uh, and, but, but Kievo is starting to show a little bit of life here which we've had guests on all uh, pretty much all of our guests want Kievo relegated um, that we've had on. I don't think we've had anybody say anything nice about Kievo yet this season. Um, (laughs) So, um, but, um, but kudos to Kievo for hanging in there. They created the chances. I think they probably, you know, considering the quality of the chances, Kievo might've been the more deserved winner in this game. And that's a, maybe an indictment on Spall uh, that, it could be getting a little jittery here with, um, you know, with with some of these games that are that are going to start to turn into relegation six pointers.
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the next, uh, you know, the next month or so play out with them. Because if it these kind of results where they had a chance have the chance to win and they don't, where they get draws or losses, uh, it could come back to bite them ultimately at the end. If any of these bottom teams start getting some traction, uh, so uh, we'll see. Um, let's go to uh, florence for the next one uh this is the derby arno uh between uh, fiorentina and empoli um the tuscan a- Dar- tuscan derby Yep. The Tuscan Derby. Absolutely. And this was an entertaining game. Really, uh, Fiorentino won this one three to one. Uh, it's, the scoring started early actually with, uh, your cousin Caputo. Uh, he's staying onside. He actually did really well to stay on, onside in this one. Um, a, a younger forward may have, uh, straight off sides, but he, he was knowledgeable, knew where the defense was and stayed onside. Made a cross, the, across the box feed to Kroonich on back post. He scores. Uh, looks like we're going to go into halftime by that score, but just before halftime, Uh, Cholito Simeone finds Miralas in stride for a goal. Uh, He levels it up 1-1 going into halftime. Uh, Pretty entertaining first half in that one. Going into the second half, um, Biragi, who was having a pretty good game up to that point. He has good games every game, doesn't he, Frank? Um, Mm -hmm. He had a beautiful cross in, finds Cholito. He scores in his second game in a row with a tap-in. Beautiful goal, gives him up 2-1 lead. You know... Empoli came back. They nearly responded, uh, but Albin Lafont made a point-blank save on, on Caputo, uh, keeping it a one-goal lead for Fiorentina. And luckily that he did because in the 75th minute entered Brian Dabo, and three minutes later he scores a rocket in the 78th to give uh, Fiorentina the 3-1 victory. Um, back on track, Fiorentina, this has got to be a good victory for them in a, in a derby like this.
0: Uh, Chloe, I like you. We gotta have you uh, we gotta have you on here soon to talk Fiorentina with us, but but stop writing about Fiorentina like they're all of a sudden gonna be a team that's in the champions league next season no, or at least from a couple of retweets. <laughs> she's 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 very nice and, and, and she's very nice and she loves her Fiorentina and I don't wanna be but this is if there was a team that was so desperate for a win it was Fiorentina because how many points have they dropped over the past couple of months? <sighs> Too many. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, they're, they're sitting there on 22 points where they could be sitting on 30 easily. They should be sitting in the top four, uh, considering some of the games that they've dropped. I'm just going to take a quick, um, you know, peek. The, the 3 3 draw with Sassuolo. Um, you know, okay. Fine. You lost the Juventus, but drawing 0 0 the Bologna. I know I get it. Fine. Milan drew Bologna today. 1 1 at Frozenoni. One one at Torino, one one Cagliari at home. I mean, there are some pretty these are bad results for a team that wants to try to take that next step and compete in Europe. They finally found the finishing touch in this game. Um, you know, Simeone finally getting back on the, you know, getting himself among the score sheet. Milales is suddenly, you know, coming up coming up among the goals. And to your point, Biragi uh providing the service. You know, but did they, they take care of business against an Empoli team, but this was a very entertaining derby because Empoli still, the other way, and while they were outpossessed and they were outshot, there were still some quality chances here from Empoli. The combination of Caputo and Lagomina is legit, and they're going to give everybody a very, very hard time in this league.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. Yeah. Uh. So. Um. But uh, Fiorentina did well to ward that off, and at the same time, find the goals to win this game. And boy, were they desperate for three points.
1: Yeah, much-needed three points. It gets him uh, within five points of the Champions League spot in this one. Uh, Moving on to Frosinone hosting Sassuolo. Uh, This should be an easy game for Sassuolo, you would think, but they didn't really show up in the first half. Um, Ciofani, uh, he forced a great save by Concilia early in the game. Concilia, luckily he was playing because no one else in Sassuolo seemed to be playing in the first half. Uh, He would make another big save in Maelo, a blast, Um, so it looked like going into the halftime maybe one uh, might be zero zero going in there but Duncan who I thought was a man of the match in this one uh, his elusiveness his creativity uh, causes an Ariado own goal just before halftime so one nothing there up there uh Duncan later in the second half he per- turns provider to Barardi for a goal uh that would be a two nothing lead there and then um Duncan uh, Duncan again uh playing provider Ferrari ends up hitting the crossbar off the Duncan cross. Uh, it was a two nothing scoreline, but again, Duncan was all over the place, and he really was instrumental in Sassuolo, not only creating chances but getting the two goals in this game.
0: Yeah, Duncan, and I thought Ferrari had a nice game here too. Yeah, good, good game, um, for him. which he needed to which he needed to have. I mean, you know, he's kind of you know he's kind of fallen off a little bit, unfortunately, um, but uh, at the same time, um, you know, a player that can still bring it. He still got a lot of quality to him. There's a reason why he was in Juventus' system for so long. Um, but, uh, you know, it's so good to see that. And, yeah, when, our, when Alfred Duncan is influential, the Sassuolo team can be dangerous. Um, but they're, they're still – and they're hanging around. Uh, and beating a team they're supposed to beat in Frosinone, um, who I think parted ways with their manager, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, multiple reports state Frosinone have sacked Marino Longo and replaced him with Marco Baroni. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> 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 um but no. Uh yeah, that's that's that, that that was from footballitalia.net. We we cite our sources here at ZDIS Sit Down and like many people out there. Um so but no, good win for Sassuolo. Needed it to try to kind of stay in the thick of things for a European place, and you know, they're in eighth on twenty-four points, they're right in it.
1: So a team that has been in it all season long, Parma, they would travel to Sabdoria And Parma has been starting to show their true colors as of late. Uh, Sampdoria would win this game 2-0. So really, if you you get moving to the second half really to get all the actions that were really sort of happening. Uh, Caprari had a low cross to Lanetti, uh, the goalkeeper for Parma. Sepe had a big save to keep that one out. Uh, However, Sampdoria were were hungry for some goals. And we saw some great team movement, Frank. uh, And ended up being... uh, Pret ended up getting a center to Caprari, who gets a goal... Uh it was lovely work between Salah and uh Salah and um and Pret to set it up and then Pratt was a beautiful cross, uh finished it off at Caprati. The goal was uh that's a wonderful team goal and, and it seems some Doty likes to have these nice team goals all of a sudden.
0: Yeah, they're you know, at home they're special. I mean Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's just it's it, it's still something that we're still trying to uh, you know, we don't Okay, they went to Lazio. They went to Lazio last week and they drew 2-2, the 99th minute goal by uh, Sapunara. But we were wondering, okay, is that, you know, is Sampdoria bad away or is Lazio bad at home against good teams? And, you know, we fought that fight. But now at home, they're, they're a different beast and they play really well at home. And Parma, for as good as they've been this season, their away form leaves a lot to be desired. So it was kind of a perfect storm for Sampdoria. And, um... You know they, they 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 ran out winners here. I mean, a great goal, a great team goal here by Caprari, um, and by by his. You know, you'll talk about the Quagliarella goal, but by his standards, it's a boring goal.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, as you as you mentioned, uh, Salah and Pratt hooking up again. Uh, this and Pratt. Uh, pl- We'll play provider to Mister Old Man Fabio Cagliarella. Uh, He scores his sixth goal in six games, six consecutive games. I should say that's a it's a, a new record for him. He scores his ninth goal of the season. Um, he just keeps putting him in there and and really pret gets all of the, the the kudos in this one because he he set up both the goals in this one.
0: It's a it's a country for old men still. Um, and and pret had a very nice game here too. I agree with you. Um. Uh, Santori so really have a chance to climb here. They're at Empoli. They host Kievo before finishing up at Juve. Um, you know, so they've got their they they should have their eyes on six out of nine points, and maybe, you know, when the dust settles when this first half of the season ends, they're in the top six. There's a real good chance for them at this point.
1: Yeah, and don't look at now, but Ricardo Sapinaro is starting to get hot for them. He scored that that wonderful cheeky goal the other week. Uh and at the end of this game he had that end to end run where he nearly scored and, and Sepe made a brilliant save on, but did you see this play where he literally ran box to box and he he went around probably like five six players it seemed like and um, good run by him but yeah he's starting to get hot now and hey that's all Santoro needs is more guys to get confident and this will be maybe a good momentum boosting you know win here and maybe they can start getting some results and creep up that table like you said and get up to maybe six.
0: Agreed, agreed, and I'm uh, uh I I like their prospects here uh you know considering the schedule that that game against Juve is gonna going to be tough on them but uh there's there's six points there available with Empoli and Chievo in front of them and they've got a real good chance to do it they just can't be the the game is at Empoli and Empoli have been a threat at home uh and Sampdoria we've we've talked about their problems away so but if 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 you're going to be if you've got to win this game at Empoli coming up uh and then that'll give them the confidence going in and getting the three points at home against Chievo uh and on 29 points with with Juve on tap for the uh, for, for match week 19, it's uh, it's it's there for Sampdoria and and they've got the ability to do it. Let's see if they can now just pull through and follow through with it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in the next game, we're going to go as Napoli actually traveled to the island to play Cagliari. Um Anyone who goes there always has a tough game. Cagliari are very good at home. This game would be a difficult one for Napoli in this at least the scoreline sense. Um, the the hosts were early on and had a chance to go up in this one maybe catching Napoli off guard uh, Farias with a with a wonderful run in the box he finds Farago uh, who takes a shot Ospina makes a save uh luckily for him um he, he was ready for ready for that cuz uh it was a beautiful play I don't well not a really beautiful
0: play but thanks Ospina you can save that but you can't save Salah at the near post great
1: right right it was almost a tackle play it seemed like except, except Koulibaly wasn't getting beat on this one um, yeah, actually, he did get beat on this one, actually, so I take that back. Um, but yeah, no, good, a good save for him, keeping Napoli in it early. Um, you know, teams kind of exchange opportunities in that first half, but in the second half is really when not only Napoli got going, but Ruiz, Fabian Ruiz, started to get going. He's, a, he's an excellent pickup for Napoli this year. Um, he did well early uh, in the second half. Uh, he nearly found Milik Um, Milik miss a miss an opportunity. He, Milik would grow in confidence as his game went along. I thought he got stronger. Uh, but to stick with uh, Ruiz, uh, he nearly finished on the end of a Malquite pass. Malquite made a great run down the right-hand flank, uh, crossed it in, and uh, Ruiz had a great opportunity to score, just missed it wide. Um, I said Milik was growing stronger. Uh, at the end of the game, he had a shot that missed just wide, uh, came back a little bit later, Um he gets a, an opportunity for a header off a, off a cross and from I think it was Mertens I couldn't remember who it was, uh, but he hits it off the post on that one. Uh, so he's he's getting closer and closer to goal. But finally in the 91st minute he gets a free kick opportunity. He's probably one of the last guys I think would be taking a free kick. But uh, he scores a wonderful wonderful free kick goal in the 91st minute. Uh, Napoli win one nothing at the end of the end of the game. It's a it's a good resourceful win for them. They had most of possession in this game, but. It's it's a tough place to go to it's a tough place to go to Cagliari and try to get a win.
0: You know, we keep saying that Cagliari are going to Cagliari trouble teams. You know, that's that's not that's a unique road trip uh, to have to go into an island and play uh, a match. Um, and uh, Milik's goal is second in the goal of the week to me uh, to Icardi's penalty. Um, but um, uh, you, you know, but it, it's what you expect from Napoli. Superiority in possession against an inferior team, even if it is Coyote at, you know, inside Dania. Um, you know, superiority in shots and shots on target. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, Milik was the best player on the pitch in this game, you know, created his own chances, was on the end of things, is on the end of, uh, some service from Melqui, as you mentioned. Um, but, uh, for me, I thought that, uh, that he was the best player in this game, and uh, he had the goal to uh, to seal it.
1: Absolutely. So uh, Napoli, a somewhat keep pace with uh, Juventus, uh, still eight points behind, they're sitting on 38 uh, to Juventus' is 46. Uh, going to Stadio Olimpico for the end of uh, Sunday's games, I should say, uh, this was the highest-scoring game of the weekend. It was Roma 3, Genoa 2. Early on, Heliamark was having himself a good first half. Uh, he got a blast off early. Somehow squeaked by Olsen. I don't know if he realized it had gone. It's like in in hockey when it goes between the pads. Um, Piantic sees it before Olson does. He gets to it, taps it in. Uh, he gets his 12th goal of the season. Uh, just like that, Genoa are up. Prandelli's team is is scoring, which is great to see.
0: Uh, that but- that explains Roma in a nutshell, right? That play right there. That's Roma. Right there, what you thought the, you had what, it, what, and the goalkeeper goes right yeah, by. Yeah, <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry, I had to interrupt, but because because I was like, you're going to hit on that t- hit on that moment, and I want to make sure that I said that. I said that's pretty much Roma this year.
1: No, <laughs> it's exactly it encapsulate their whole season. Really, uh, to their credit, you know, Roma and in particular Fazio would re- respond back in the 31st minute um, off a free kick. Minutes before Fazio had opportunity, he missed. It. He missed his great chance. So luckily for him, he got another opportunity in the 31st. He did not miss that second opportunity. He gets a goal off the rebound. 1-1, um, one, one, just like that. But we talked about Hildmark having a good first half. He responded nearly immediately. Just two minutes later, off a corner kick, uh, he would get the goal. Uh, all of a sudden, Genoa are up two to one. We're thinking we're going to halftime by that score, Frank, but. Uh, young Justin Clivert, Uh, he gets his first goal in Serie a, a nice little run, nice little far post goal. He scores just before halftime, make it two to two. Uh, that's a lot of goals in the first half for two teams. But uh, on, on, speak on Clivert a little bit here. Finally, getting his first Serie A goal. Uh, the whole run and everything, and just about time. And we've been expecting this guy to get some goals, right?
0: I can't believe that's his first. Is that really his first goal? Yeah, it's crazy. I think I he's getting a lot of assists. Oh, you know why? It's because EDF doesn't play him as much as he should. That's probably why.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, he you know, it in,
0: in Champions League, but... Yeah, El Shadal, found some form, too, which kept him on the bench <clears throat> for a little bit of time there. Um, but, uh, but no, the, the, the kid's a talent. I mean, and Roma raved about him in preseason, too. Uh, so good to see him get on the score sheet. Good to see him get his first goal. First of many. Um, I mean, it's in his genes. His dad scored yeah. bunches of the goals <laughs> yeah. uh, in his career so uh you know good to see him good to see him get on the score sheet. Uh, I mean just you know some you know we'll we'll talk about the second half of this one. This was a very entertaining game. Um you know uh, final loss uh was okay. Obviously Fazio getting the goal. Um nice to see Hiliemark performing really well. Um uh You know, hes I think he's... Long ways
1: from his Palermo days, huh?
0: Well, yeah, and he's a bit of an underrated... He's become a bit of an underrated player all of a sudden, and one of the things that I do want to shout about is that while there's, you know, a lot of fanfare about Piantec and rightfully so with all the goals he's been scoring, you know, what do you think of Christian Kwame? I think he flies under the radar. This kid's got some talent.
1: He's got talent, I love seeing both of them together, but Kwame is definitely the guy who pulls the strings and gets that motor running, because Piantic's not going to score those goals if Kwame is not doing what he does.
0: Yeah. I mean, he just, he flies under the radar for me. And I think that he's a guy, uh, that we need to watch going forward. So you hear it here on A sit down. We're touting the boy, Christian Kwame. Watch this kid. I mean, he may not score all the goals and get all the glory that Piantec does, but, but he is an engine room as a forward. He's a real engine room guy. Um, and a, you know, kind of a, he's, he's a real fun player to watch. So when you take in a general game, make sure you're looking at him, uh, you know, when you're watching them at watching it, watching them under uh, Prandelli, but go ahead.
1: Yeah, and Piantec's goal really, that's his first open play goal since like October, like early October too. So that, that's kind yeah. of shocking too for all the goals that he's had. So, hey, uh, I guess he's well rounded, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> moving on, uh, Kliver would be instrumental again. Uh, he and Cristante would do nice give and go. Uh, the give and go would result in a Cristante winner in the 59th minute. Um, Great, great, great to see those two uh, hooking up with that play, Cristante. Great finish, and after the goal, he obviously gave applauds to Cliver for the for the assist on that one. Cristante, uh, he had a chance to get a second in the game nearly towards the end. He ends up hitting the post point blank, but yeah, this game would end three two. A very entertaining three two game. Um, they tend to tend to all be right, but. Uh, good for good to see roma and genoa involved in entertainment games and um, genoa seem like they're starting to get their their footing now with prandelli and roma finally getting back on the winning track uh they seem to have been on the worst streaks for the longest time but now um they're technically back in the race uh they're, you know, they're tied with i think atalanta and sassuolo um in that for the last champions league or europa league spot now so
0: that's roma's first win in all competitions since november 7th um, that long, wow. Yeah, at CSKA. Well, no, I'm sorry. They beat on November 11th. They beat uh, they beat Sampdoria 4-1. So first first win for Roma in over a month, which is unbelievable to say about them. Um, <clears throat> so clearly they needed it. They're in they're in a little bit of a scrum. They're finding ways to give away points and lose to some inferior opponents. The the, the draw against Cagliari was. You know, the, the Olsen blunder explains Roma's season. You know, go and watch the last 10 minutes of that match at Cagliari. That really explains Roma's season. Um, big one for them Saturday traveling to the J, and I don't hold a lot of hope for them. Um, I'm already going to go ahead and say Juve's winning that 2-0. Um, I just uh, I, I don't see Di Francesco. Bring, the, the mentality that this Roma team is in right now, I just don't see them having the strength and having the um, uh, the fortitude to to get anything out of that uh, that 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 game at the J.
1: Yeah, and it's gonna be tough for Roma to get a result, uh, much less a win at the J. And I think Juve is gonna do Juve things, and the two nothing scoreline I think is a great shout. Um, I don't I don't see the Juventus defense being um, under too much pressure, really. I think they're going to be good enough to, to, to quell anything that Roma may throw at them, Roma and, you know, Juve for their, you know, for their credit, they're going to, they're going to finish their opportunities that they're going to get. They're not going to get maybe like, they're probably going to get a good handful of them, but they're going to, they're going to be clinical as opposed to Roma. So uh, I fully, I too fully expect Roma, Roma to lose in
0: that one. So yeah, it's going to be a problem. And to your point, yeah, Prandelli is, is getting this Genoa team playing pretty, playing well. I mean, it's still going to be a little bit of a process. Uh, They host a red-hot Atalanta team coming up. It's going to be hard for me to believe that they're going to get something out of that game. But then they go to Cagliari, which is, you know, a tough fixture, but no reason why they can't get a draw. Hosting Fiorentina and then host, you know, when they come back after the break, they'll host Milan. You know, so it's an interesting slate of fixtures for Prandelli's men. That there's 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 some they're gonna get something out of those games. They're gonna get a win out of those games. Hopefully not at the expense of Milan. But I don't know. I see a win there.
1: I see a win there.
0: We'll see how we'll see how everybody comes out after the winter break. But yeah. uh, right now, um I think that yeah, Prandelli has them playing well, it's a matter of now getting the results to go with it.
1: You know, moving on to the atalanta Lazio game, I thought, at least stylistically, this could have been one of the most entertaining games going into the weekend. Uh, this game would end... Uh, well, let's just start off right here. Right off the opening kickoff, really, uh, it seemed like Gosens came down the left flank. Uh, he crosses into the box trying to find Ilicic. Uh, the defender intercepts the play. Unfortunately, it goes to a red-hot Duvan Zapata. He finishes, gets his fourth goal in two games. Uh, this man is on fire. I... I... I continue to enjoy watching him getting score goals uh, for whomever, really. But at this moment, Atalanta, um, he he seems to have the the, the the scoring touch at the moment. Hopefully, this can last for a little bit longer, huh, Frank?
0: Well, all he needed to do after scoring the goal, which would have been funny, but also probably wouldn't have been very sportsman-like, uh, was to go to Stefan Radu and shake his hand and thank him for the gift. <laughs> I mean, exactly. just how pathetic of a clearance effort was that? Oh. I mean, that's just that's a striker's dream. Um you know, and it, it was. I mean, it's a poacher's goal, um, a little bit unconventional as far as poachers' goals go, uh, but it happened. You know, poachers wait for balls to fall. You know, and you know, in a position where they can score, and that's exactly what happened here with Duval Zapata. You know, but it goes beyond the goal with Zapata in this game, and and yeah, he had the hat trick the week before. Um, just the physical presence, he was a lot for the Lazio defenders to deal with, and he caused a lot of problems. He drew a lot of fouls in this game. Um, he, you know, he gave those guys something to think about, uh, Wallace in particular had a brutal performance trying to deal with them. Um, and finally it took him 62 minutes to get booked. I thought he could have been booked sooner. Um, but, uh, you know, for me, uh, Zapata, this is, this is how it's supposed to look when you've got Zapata up front and you've got, you know, service coming from, from Papu Gomez and from Milicic and Gosens was excellent in this game. Um, another guy that was excellent in this game was Remo. I thought Remo Freuler was fantastic in this game. Yeah. yeah, Uh, uh, just, just energy, just engine room, winning balls in the midfield. Uh, you know, starting attacks, bombing forward, trying to get involved. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, Gasparini's got a pretty nice thing going for Atalanta. And and while Milan's sitting fourth right now, and and you think that conventionally they should sweat the Roman clubs, they're going to need to sweat Atalanta because this team is finding ways to get it done. Um, and in, 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 other cases, they've been pretty dominant too.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you look at the teams, if we look at four through, let's say eight, right? So Milan, Lazio, Atalanta, Roma, Sassuolo. I'm going to say Atalanta has upper hand on all those teams at the moment based on current form. Uh, really got these guys, you know, going on all cylinders and, they finally, like we said, they finally got you know the three-headed monster up top. And if you get to pot to score some goals, I mean, look out now for everyone in the league. Uh, they're gonna make uh, make it difficult for everyone. Um, I thought you know Lazio did well to get some opportunities, especially in Bergamo. Going to Bergamo is a tough place to play uh, on the road, and and I thought Lazio did well to get a lot of opportunities in this one for the most part. Uh, Immobile nearly responded, uh, to that goal, uh, forcing Barisha to make an excellent save on him. But after that, I mean, I mean, Milinkovic-Savic had a couple opportunities, weak headers. Immobile had a weak header far post. Um, really all game long. Yeah, Lazio had the better of maybe the possession in the shots. I think they had something like 18 shots or something crazy, uh, to Atalanta's, I think like 10 or whatever, but, um, Lazio were putting pressure on on Atalanta. They just could not get the final score. Um, they had to wait all the way, really, until the 90-plus 90, 90, 90 minute stoppage time, really. Um, Luis Alberto, Luis Alberto's sighting in this one, he made a cross in stoppage time. Itcherby uh, gets on the end of it, scores a goal, takes his shirt off in celebration, Hold the phone. Uh, They go to VAR, Frank. Um, It gets called back, and he gets a yellow, which is obvious because he took his shirt off. I'm going to say Lazio got Juve in this one. Uh, I think that was a good goal. What did you make of that
0: play? Technically speaking, technically speaking, it was offside. Um, It stinks for Lazio. Uh, They had a freeze frame uh, in the broadcast that shows a Serbi's I thought it was Milinkovic-Savic. At first when they were good, I thought they were – Milinkovic-Savic was in the offside position, and he was close enough to the play to be considered involved. That's what I was originally looking at. And that's what I was originally thinking as to why they called it back. But there was a freeze frame. One of a legs and his foot is like hanging in an offside position.
1: So like, he didn't trim his toenails and he gets called for it.
0: Well, no, he's like – it's it's like he's trying to push off to get back in position with that foot or something like that, and he does it just a millisecond early. Um, I mean, but they have the freeze frame. At the time Luis Alberto is serving the ball, It's it's – the freeze frame shows the foot and the calf and the shin are in an offside position. It is a brutal, brutal call, but technically it's right. It stings for Lazio. Um
1: Technically, they got shafted, is what I'm going to say.
0: Well, okay, fine. They need to, but they I'm they just, need to I'm, change this rule, though. I mean, but they the, hate this rule. If you've got a body part in an offside position, you're considered offside. It doesn't take much. I mean, that's that's the rule. That's the law of the game. It sucks. It sucks, but it's the law of the game, and I don't want to see it changed. I, you know, it, I don't want to see it changed. I just want it consistently governed. But in this case, VAR got it right, as much as everybody hates it especially Lazio
1: fans. How about this? And this will be harder, obviously to judgment with VAR. It could be a possibility only judging them on the offside. If it's a body part that scores the goal, so a head or a foot. Um, so in this case, his head, I, his head could have been onside. I mean, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't see the, 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 this, the freeze frame, but um, I mean, judging body parts that have nothing to do with the goal, I think is unfair to the player. They always said that the, the thing we always were throwing down our necks or, or down our throats were, if it's if the the defender, is still got to use he's
0: still got to use his feet and legs to jump for the ball. Sure, sure.
1: <laughs> we've always been, fair enough. No, fair enough. But the, we've always been told if the striker and the defender I'm are, just are trying, next to each a, other.
0: It's a cheap comeback by me
1: on that. It's just <laughs> No, that's fine. No, but, not, but we were always told playing, you know, playing soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. If the, the striker and defender are on par or next to each other, give the call to the, the attacker. And we don't see that anymore. Obviously, the VAR. There's there's reason for that, but they need to clean up this call. I think. I mean, it, it sucks. You're right. Technically, he, technically, he was offside by like a millimeter, but. Uh, it it sucks for Lazio, man. Because I, I thought they deserved a draw at least in this game because they they did well to to just to, to play play at Bergamo, getting tons of shots off, not necessarily great shots, but they got shots off. Um, and I thought they at least deserved a draw in on this one.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, yes and no. I you know I I mean they they certainly pressed and they certainly created chances, but the chance that you referred to with Immobile in the first half to me was really the only one that troubled Berisha in this game. Um otherwise there was just a lot of desperate attempts in particular Sergej Milinkovic-Savic how far has his value plummeted this season I watched him he looks so disengaged he he he's I think there are times where he looks like he cares but I think he's faking it I mean there's some something's off with him and I can't put my finger on it but he's clearly clearly not at his best he's had this, you know, from the time that we've started following him, this has been his worst half season. I mean, I think he's we're going to do our, uh, our our crap on a cracker team for the half season coming up on the next pod. He's firmly in that, in my opinion.
1: He he might be the captain.
0: Oh, probably, yeah, <laughs> he probably will be the captain. <laughs>
1: Um, I dare I say this Lazio performance was milanesque meaning you get a lot of shots off but not a lot of substance, no finishing touch
0: no, because milan they they at least were trying ruthless enough to try to take take a take a quantity of chances so <laughs> just...
1: well since we're talking about Milan
0: sometimes may good sometimes maybe shit. uh they would be on the road Do this do this narration game. I need another beer for this whole go ahead, go ahead, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> get me, be get right me a beer.
1: Get me a beer as well. All right, I'll be right um, back. This game was for the neutral a pain in the in the ass to watch. It was, for a fan, it was a pain to watch. Um, I'll give you the positives in this game. The positive for Milan was they got their third shutout this season. Uh, as far as zero zero games go, this was the dud of the weekend by far. If you want to give a positive for Bologna, I'm going to say the positive for Bologna is they didn't lose in this one. Um, really, the highlight of the game uh, for either team was Bakayoko getting two yellows within a six-minute span. Uh, he gets ejected. Uh, Frank, this is by far the worst game of the weekend. Um, I know you have some comments on this game, uh, in particular about Milan. Um, I'm going to let you have your say.
0: This was painful to watch. Um this was dentist chair stuff, and um, it was painfully predictable what Milan were doing. I, the the 4 with Kutoni and Higuain is officially garbage now. It doesn't work. Um, Higuain was doing terrible shots all game. He had a couple shots on goal in the first half, but nothing that was troubling Skorupski. Um Here's the problem with this 4-4-2, and I'm gonna I'm gonna break this down, and we're gonna turn into a Milan pod because we're Milan supporters, so be it. Um, it's 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 too static and it's too predictable. And actually, Gattuso said these are the very things right after the game. I was saying, I was saying this on Twitter as the game was going on. Okay. Um, you have Suzo, who decided to pick his ass on the right flank, hope to get a ball, and try to be the Spanish Aryan Robin. That's what he, he just wants to He get the ball, cut inside, and shoot. Everybody, the Bologna defenders were ready for that. They figured that out every time. He wants to cut in and he wants to shoot. He wants to be the Spanish Arjen Robin. That's exactly what he was trying to do in this game. That's all the quality that he provided here. Okay? His crosses were terrible, both his right and his left foot. Nothing. He hit nothing. Okay? It was a disappointing performance from suzo who he should be considering the quality that he's got. He should be head and shoulders the best player on this pitch in this game and he was he didn't deliver everybody in this 442 runs on railroad tracks north and south except for Chalanolu who will try to cut inside and cut in diagonally the problem when he does it he he cuts in and this is without the ball his runs without the ball he cuts in where there's two or three defenders so he makes a useless run and he might be trying to create space for Rodriguez to maybe come around or for one of the forwards to maybe run diagonally into the space that he's leaving you know but I don't get what Chalhanolu is doing in the, in the game. Uh, you know, he's borderline useless out there. Um, the fullbacks, the fullbacks, Calabria and, and Rodriguez. Rodriguez had a nice game. Problem that I have with this system is that they treat the corners in the front third of the pitch like they're kids. And that's the, the living room or the great room of, of your parents' house. The room that you're not allowed to go into because that's where all the nice shit is, and you know, and your mom and dad don't want you dirtying it up. Did you have a room like that when you were growing up, Richard?
1: Uh no, I did not, Frank. But I, I know people who had, so I understand what you're
0: saying. <laughs> okay, okay. I, I just okay, yeah, because we had it. We had a living room, and all the beautiful furniture was in there, and the leather-bound books and hutch and all that lovely stuff. And mom and dad forbid us to ever go in there with our with our dirty hands and our dirty shoes and all that other stuff. And it's just like, they don't attack the corners with their runs. They don't make the overplay. I don't think Calabria ever attacked a corner off the ball where he could have got played in and he could have turned in across. You know, Rodriguez did it maybe twice over the course of the 90 minutes. It was static, it was predictable, and it was uninspiring. Second, and then the one guy that started getting dangerous, Cutrone, in the second half, was getting in the deepest positions and getting the ball. Catuso subs him off for Castellejo. For Castellejo who when what's Castellejo's role, get in the middle of the park and just congest and just further congest things. The second that substitution has that Milan's not scoring. because at least when Catrone was getting in those deeper positions, getting the ball, he was holding it. The problem is is nobody got off their ass to run and get in positions they can shoot. And it was there for them. Sousa could have ran off. Higuain could have ran off. Bakayoko and Kessie could have got out of their positions and ran off. And there were shots waiting for them. And Kutroni could only hold the ball so long. Okay? It was stagnant. It was static. It was very, very predictable. And I saw somebody on Milan, Milan Twitter saying, oh, credit Polonia to defend it. Well, of course they defended well. They knew what was coming. And Milan didn't change it.
1: Yeah, there was uh, – I mean – Milan are way too predictable, and a play that you talk, a play that encapsulates all that is Suzo obviously trying to be, like you said, trying to be the Aryan Robin, uh Spaniard Aryan Robin. Well, Bologna put two defenders to block him from going left, and then I know he's going to absolutely go right, trying to get across, and and they shut that down a lot of the time. So, I mean, they knew what, he, what Milan were going to do. I mean, credit, you know, Bakayoko and and Cassie uh, were, you know, trying to make stuff happen and be engine room guys, but they can only do so much as well, and the forwards weren't doing anything. When they brought in Castallejo, at least you thought, you know, put him up in attack, give him some speed. No, they tried to play him in like a, a trecortista role or something when really uh, Chalanolo is probably preferred position, but he's out the wing, not doing anything, scratching his butt. Uh, he You know, he's having games where he's cutting in and he gets shots opportunities, but they're missing the goal. It was just a poor performance overall. I mean, I'm glad to see Romagnoli, but um, yeah, just... Uh, this wasn't a good performance by their standards. And, uh, you know, Bologna didn't do anything on their end too. I mean, they had some couple plays that were offsides that were shots, but what do they do? You know, it's both teams were terrible.
0: I put myself out there on Twitter after the match, because obviously with Gazidis being at Milan, it's going to be natural that Wenger is going to be, Arsene Wenger is going to be linked. And I made the comment and I said, this is the kind of game that makes me lean toward thinking Wenger could put a boost into this team. And people were asking and questioning me, and I got slaughtered. I, I didn't get slaughtered, but I got quite, I got I got pushed on it. And I said, okay, when he was at his heights at Arsenal, those teams bombed forward. You saw diagonal runs. You saw people changing positions. You saw a lot of off the ball movement. You saw fullbacks bombing into the corners. Okay, you would have at least seen some of that. Okay. If this was a Wenger coach team, all right, trying to attack those spaces and trying to get at people. Okay. Um, you know, and, and again, the substitutions are head scratching. It's just, it's, you know, Castellejo for Cutrone. It was a terrible substitution. You're taking yeah. out the one guy in the second half that's creating, that's, that's getting in deeper positions and, and getting the ball. It's not Cutrone's fault that nobody is, is, is getting forward to help support him, where he can lay balls off, okay, and 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 create chances and score goals, okay. I mean, you know, so that's where I said, if, if this was a Wenger managed team, this doesn't happen. There's one or two goals here in this Milan in this Milan setup, um, but this is a four four two that was north south running from everybody, except for Chalhoub who ran into defenders off the ball every time, and it was way too predictable. And of course, Bologna. For whoever said Bologna defended really well, of course they did. It was easy for them.
1: This is a fourth place team that you don't have confidence in. Um, I mean, at this point, you know, yeah, they got a two point lead on their next closest opponent, but it's not a team I feel confident going to hold that spot. Really, I mean, I'm I'm confident in the top three going to stay in the top three, but. That fourth spot is up for grabs. And at the moment, you know, you got to give your, you got to tip your hat to a team like Atalanta or if Saptori or Fiorentina and get hot, they could probably squeeze in there. Sassuolo is probably going to have a drop off. But Lazio and Milan they're and Roma, they're, they're teams you can't trust at the moment. And, you know, they, they're failing miserably, uh, not only to their fans, but just to the neutral who's trying to watch these games. And it, it's not must see TV at all. At least the no. Roma one had some goals in
0: it. They host Fiorentina on Saturday. They're going to have to do it without Bakayoko and Cassie. Cassie got a yellow that got him suspended for the next match. Yep. Uh, so uh, Jose Mauri <laughs> and Ricardo Montalino. Will he get a start? Will he get a start? Back in our lives. He, he, I mean, who else? I mean, they, I, I, I I joked on Twitter. I said, I better start getting in shape because Gattuso might call me up to play in midfield against Fiorentina. Gattuso side. might play. Yeah. He, <laughs> just, that's that's probably Milan's best choice, unfortunately, yeah. for what's available. So hosting Fiorentina at Frozenone, hosting Spal, at least six points out of that game. And then you're hosting Fiorentina, so you got to get at least seven points out of that game, out of those three games. Okay. Uh, I you, don't see it. <laughs> you got it, but, but, okay, fine. But you got to do it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, no, they absolutely need to okay? do
0: it. Okay. But given how this Milan have been running, they're going to drop points at Frosinone. They won't lose. It'll probably be a draw. Okay. But, to, and, and they'll beat Spal at home and they, you know, they're going to end up with five and we're all going to be angry. But they should have it, they should do on their talent. They should have at least seven and find the resources to get this done. We'll see what happens. Bologna under Inzaghi. Inzaghi, I guess, gets to keep the house in Bologna or whatever he's renting in Bologna for a while. So, uh, getting the point, but he's still in the relegation zone and Bologna still have some work to do. Um, but, uh, you know, Chievo is starting to find some results a little bit here. only eight points, Bologna 12 points. That's the bottom three. Udinese sitting there on 13. Um, is it worry time for Davide Nicola and and Udinese?
1: Ooh, I mean, uh, not just yet. I think if Bologna start getting wins, and they're gonna that he is gonna be he's gonna he's gonna have to be gone because it's too close for comfort at the moment for Udinese fans and Udinese management. Really, to be fair, uh, but yeah, they're they they're pushing it right now. They're really pushing it. Um, too close for comfort because while we all say we'd love to see kievo get relegated i don't think many of us would want to see udinese get relegated i mean it's a great stadium great fans mm-hmm. um, it's a fun team to watch They've got a lot of talent on the team but uh, they need to they need to figure something out quick
0: right right definitely agree with you there top of the table i mean it's pretty self-explanatory it's U of a 8 point lead over napoli inter in third milan in fourth milan saving grace in fourth is that lazio and roma keep tripping over themselves um, and like we said, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that Atalanta is becoming the team that Milan are going to have to worry about for fourth if this keeps up
1: yeah, and I would not be surprised if Roma or Roma if Atalanta do end up taking overtaking them at some point during this season because uh that it's the, t- the team is really firing also at the moment and they're gonna get pick up a lot of points where Milan's going to drop a lot.
0: Table talk. Anybody's, your thoughts on, uh, what you see with the table and what you saw with these fixtures and the, and the match weeks ahead over the holiday period. Go to adsedia down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. We're going to finish this up with a Christmas wish for each team. <laughs> All right, Richard. Um, we did this last year. We'll do it again. We'll get into the uh, holiday season in the spirit of giving or in the spirit of wishing for things. Um, you know, we have, uh, and we'll, we'll try to go rapid fire on this because we ran long on the European and the, uh, Magic week 16, uh, uh, segments. So, um, what we'll do is we'll start from the bottom and work our way up, um, and, uh, just, uh, give our take on, um, uh, you know, on each team. And what we'll do is, is that, uh, it'll be a Christmas wish, what your Christmas wish is for that team or what that team should be wishing for, for Christmas. Let's, let's say that, or for the holidays, holiday wish, let we to <laughs> be PC. So, um, but anyway, uh, so I will start by asking you about Kievo. What's, uh, what should Kievo be wishing for for Christmas?
1: A quick end to the season? No, uh, <laughs> they should probably, they should probably be hoped for that, uh, Davide Nicola stays at Udinese so they can have a chance to get
0: out. Mm. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be something? I don't think Davide Nicola is going to screw that Udinese thing up too long. So we'll see what happens. So you got, Fro- so,
1: who, so, okay, so you got Frozinone. So what's your wish for Frosinone?
0: You know, for everybody that they acquired to come together and, and, and play to what we thought they should be uh, before the season, I think uh, Mark Neal and myself, were pretty high on what they put together this season and they're turning into this year's Hellas Verona um, where last year we thought Hellas Verona had the best shot at survival out of the promoted team because of all the experience they had and they couldn't yeah. get it done so all right your turn and uh, you have Bologna
1: uh, they can find a way to find get more scoring opportunities they got something there they got Palacio they got to find some way to get them uh, more goals, not only them but the rest of the team. They need to get goals if, if people is going to save his job, if the team is going to save themselves from getting relegated. Start and play Orsellini every game. <clears throat>
0: yeah. yeah.
1: How about Udinese? you got Udinese. So what's your wish for Udinese?
0: Oh, um, exactly. This is an interesting one. Uh the wishes for Rodrigo De Paul and Kevin Lasagna to stay healthy the rest of the all season because uh the, their ability to score goals are are going to uh help Udinese's fortunes for survival. So there.
1: I like it. I like it.
0: Uh you got Genoa.
1: Okay, my hope is that Prandelli turns Genoa back into an attractive playing football team, use Kawame and Piantic to the best of their abilities because I think he can ride those two horses. Uh, to get a lot of more goals and become more stylistic offensively, and in, and in turn they'll get more wins. So that's my hope that Prandelli makes it more offensive as he's done in the past with his teams.
0: Okay. Uh, you got Spall. Alright, the Christmas wish for Spall is to get as much money as they possibly can for Lazzari For when the time comes when they have to sell him.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's not going to be there long. He's not going to be there long, certainly.
0: Not on his form. Uh, he's, he's having a terrific season. Uh, Squadra if you don't a contender, there are some pretty good right backs in this league, but we will have to at least give him some kind of mention when we get to that point. Uh, Empoli, what's their wish? Empoli. Uh,
1: their wish should get a, a midfielder to help out Lagomina and Caputo get some uh, assist to them because they can't do it alone. They're going to certainly try. They're going to have people a lot of headaches in defense, but uh, they need to get some help to get, get them the passes, to get the goals. So uh, hopefully they get some midfield help to help further their, their way away from this relegation zone.
0: Yeah, you got Zajic there. You got Krunic. They're both decent players. Uh, Pasquale, on the good. left. Yep, so.
1: yep. But a <clears more,
0: throat> little bit more depth there. Yep, a little bit more depth might help them uh, Might help them along the way. I agree with you there.
1: All right, we're going to the island, and you got Cagliari.
0: Oh, Cagliari, huh? Um, you know, to uh, h- hang on to their young stars, Nicola Barela and uh, Alessio Cragno. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that's. Or if they can hang on to him, get a lot of money for him. Yeah, yeah, don't lose them for free. All right, I'm on. I'm all on the transfer thing already. Uh, uh, You've got (laughs) all right. You've got Parma. Get Gervinho and get uh, Roberto
1: Inglés some help. Um, The team is doing better than expected. You know, ride that wave. Get them some support. And and feed off of that. You wanna if you, you know you wanna you really you wanna get that magic number of forty. So if they can get some help for those attackers, get them some uh, kind of like Empoli in a way. You know they got they got goal scorers. They need to get people to set them up. So um, give them some more help in the midfield. Uh, I think Parma are doing far better than expected. If they can get themselves 19, 19 more points, I think they're going to be in Syria next season.
0: For sure. For sure.
1: All right. You got Torino.
0: Uh, for Andrea Bellotti to show up in this 2018-2019 Serie A season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mazzotti, Walter Mazzari is doing everything else right with Torino right now. He's got the yeah. goalkeeping. He's got the defending. There are the playmakers, Di Silvestri, Iago Falque, Berenguer when he's on. Um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'm, I'm leaving somebody else out here. Green-Cohen's playing well, Green- too. Green-Cohen's having age. a very nice season, agreed. Um, has got to start bagging the goals. Torino's better. This is a better Torino team than the 22 points that, the, that they have in the 11th place position. Um, I about that, yep. All right, we're getting to the nitty gritty. We're getting into the, We're starting to work our way up to the elite. Uh, Fiorentina,
1: I was gonna say for Simeone to start scoring, but he started scoring the last two weeks, so we won't do that. Um, oh man, I, I hope they, uh, my wish for them is that they, their youngsters finally. Start clicking because there's a lot of talent offensively for this team, um, and we've listed the names week in and week out. I'd like to see them get hot and, and see really what they can do, how they can really challenge the big teams in, in the top of the table, because um, I think this team can compete. And as a young team, if they can find some confidence, they could be a scary team, you know, for years to come.
0: Okay, I, I, I'm with you there. That's a that's a nice young nucleus they have over there at Fiorentina.
1: All right. So a team that plays very, very awesome at home, uh, Sampdoria, you
0: get them. To uh, to match their, to to have their, to replicate their home form when they're away matches. I mean, that's an easy one. So, uh, you know, start start winning some big away games to uh, give themselves a chance to cement their place as a European contender. So, uh, you got the uh, surprise packet of the Serie A season Sassuolo sitting in eighth.
1: Well, in the short term, I'm going to say find a way to keep getting Duncan involved because he seems anytime he does he has the ball on his feet, good things happen. He scores goals, he sets up assists, um, and also for Berardi to continue to get warm. Um, he's starting to come around this last month or so. Keep getting him goals, you know, keep playing him. Um, I think with those two and, and Babakar, if he starts getting some goals, I think Sassuolo could stay in the mix for this Europa League. Believe it or not. Um, the last year we were talking about them rele- getting relegation, getting relegated. And this year, uh, I think Duncan is helping a lot and just keep, keep him involved, get him more involved as you can. And, uh, good things will come, I think. So, um, yes, yeah, is staying relevant. And I think a lot of that will happen if you, you continue to keep those, those, those youngsters happy
0: make a strong case for Roberto de Cerbi to be a uh, manager of the half season right now. And, uh, oh, yeah, really, oh, really, yeah. really, really happy for him to have found a place where he's hanging his hat and doing really well. So, all right. You got Roma. Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> I should call Solano on this one. Um, phone a friend. Yeah, <laughs> I know if, if ever there's an opportunity, right. Um, for, uh, uh, for, for, for me to not call Solano to a uh, guest, um, before Roma has a big game, <laughs> I think that's, you <laughs> appreciate that too. <laughs> Cause they've lost every time we've had him on. Um, no, uh, for them to, uh, to, for them to get a backbone. I mean, it's really what it is with them right now. Um, the, the, the talent is there. The mentality is not. We, we seem to say this about Roma every year, though. Um, last year, we thought maybe there was some hope under Di Francesco and the Champions League run they went on. Uh, but we they're back to the same old Roma that we've grown accustomed to. So uh, I'm going to go with that. Find that backbone again. Find what made them, you know, someone that you didn't want to play, uh, especially in the second half of last season. So uh, you have Atalanta. Speaking of a team you don't want to play, uh,
1: my my wish is that Gasparini finds tries to keep it fresh. Uh, this team is firing at all cylinders right now. Don't get stagnant. Keep it fresh with the with the team. Um, if they can, if you can keep them on their toes and keep playing well, who knows where this team could go? I mean, they could be they could be a Champions League team, and it's hard to say. It's, it's hard to imagine saying that at the beginning of the season or, or a couple of years ago, but. They have that potential, and I think if he keeps it fresh, make sure they don't they don't uh, get complacent. We may see great things from Atalanta going forward. So that is my wish for Gasparini and Atalanta.
0: How about also uh, allow you know giving uh, Papu Gomez a uh, percentage ownership of the club?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: right. <Just> give <laughs> the whole club. Man. Yeah, so he can stay there or something, right?
1: <laughs> that was a, that was a signing of the year for them by not letting him go uh, this off season. So. Oh, no question,
0: or any season, I say, really, so. no question about it. Any
1: offseason, I should say, really. No
0: nope. question about
1: it. I hate to do this to you, but we're going to keep you in Rome and we're going to take you to Lazio.
0: Uh, for Milinkovic Savic to start playing to that 170 million euro price tag that he was rumored to be uh, uh, considered for by the likes of PSG and Real Madrid. I mean... And for Luis Alberto to, I two, I mean, twofold. So for Luis Alberto to find the form that, that, that made him so highly revered last year. I mean, I think these are two guys that are two of the bigger flops, you know, of the first half of this season, you know, and it's, it's astonishing that Immobile has as many goals as he has, uh, considering that those two have performed so poorly because those are two of the players that provide him the service. Um, some of that is Joaquin Correa play coming on board and playing well. Uh, but, uh, you know, if Lazio are really gonna push and, and contend for top four, those two need to perform a lot better than they've been performing. So Well you get Milan.
1: Oh, okay. Um let's see. Where do I start with them, right? No. Um <laughs> they need a center back for depth. They need a midfielder for depth. I I like what they're doing with their attack, but I think they need to find a way to start scoring more. I mean, the opportunities will come, I think for Eguian. He he he's still he's still getting some goals in this season. Uh, but they need some help defensively, especially with all the injuries and the midfield as well. Billia's out long term, but Ivan out long term. They need some depth there. I know they're talking about Fabregas some others, but uh get some help there and then try to find some ways to finally some score some goals in big games or meaningful games. You know, don't get complacent against these small clubs. I mean, jeez.
0: Mhm. Mhm. For sure.
1: All right, we'll, we'll stay in Milan. I'm going to give you Internazionale.
0: Okay. Inter. Uh, the Christmas wish for Inter is to uh, uh, lock, sign Icardi to that long term contract and do it as soon as possible. Um, for all of the improvements that Inter have made in the other positions, it still comes down to their number nine. Uh, he's still their talisman. He's still the leader. He's still the, he's he has become the face of Inter. Okay,
1: he's won like every Derby for them while he's been there. It seems like indeed he's been the big
0: big he's big, he's big Mo for 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 Inter right now exactly. And he's he's right now. There's the contract talks, and Ocelio has said, "I don't, I don't bring out into public what's going on with his contract extension or anything like that." Good for him, uh, but. Get this done, lock him up, and make him an inter player for as long as you possibly can, uh, because it starts and ends with Moro Icardi and how he performs. For as good as every, you know, for as good as everybody can be behind him, if you, you need number nine clicking for Inter to do uh, some successful things. So, you have Napoli to take Europa
1: League seriously. Um, not only will it benefit them because they could potentially get a new trophy. They will gain valuable European experience on big nights and then, especially in the knockout rounds. Um, and keep that rotation up. I mean, it's do, Encelotti and the boys are doing a fantastic job of rotating and getting guys experience that they wouldn't have gotten previously. So, uh, continue on that. I think the gap will close with Juventus Just keep plugging away. But for heaven's sake, please take Europa League seriously and, and show that you are serious. Uh, Encelotti, come on, man. You can do it. <laughs> all right, you get the uh, the the big time champions. Uh, the it seems like they never lose the title. Uh, Juventus
0: win the Champions League for the love of God. <laughs> Stop! Get it done. You're all in. You bought Ronaldo. Get it done. it remains the same. It's it's an it's an obvious one. Okay, but get it done win the Champions League. So that's our uh, Christmas wish list for every team in Serie A. Uh, tell us if you're a fan of any of these teams. And if you have a different wish for your team, go to add Serie A sit down on Twitter or Instagram. And with that, we're putting a bow on this edition of the Serie A sit down. We had so much to cover because so much has happened uh, since we last reported to all of you, but we did the best we could. So sorry that we got a little long winded and let things drag on. But you know, if you've gotten to this point in the podcast you really love Syria and you like hearing us talk, which is weird. But uh let's do a <laughs> social media and shameless plug. Uh Richard, you first. Yeah,
1: and, and really this is gonna be uh there'll be no pod this weekend because uh we're going to take a little break so we made this pod extra long just for that so it's really two pods in one you should be happy that we're giving you an early christmas present yeah holiday, holiday holiday treat so yeah you can find me on all across social media at r underscore carmen k-h-a-r-m-a-n uh i try to make a present on on twitter and instagram um but yeah you can find me there you can find me also on facebook as well and on different groups as well so yeah look for me there
0: um Okay. I'm at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter, uh, Frank Crivello on Facebook. If you want to make friends with me on Facebook, I usually kind of keep that for family and friends and, you know, a few close people that I, that I enjoy talking, uh, football, Calcio soccer with. So, but, uh, you know, try anyway, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll accept you. You, it, it might be your lucky day. Um, <laughs> so, uh, not much going on on the video front for me, and again, we're we're we're, we're kind of spreading out the uh, podcasts here uh, with the holiday season in mind, with families and things like that. So, uh, programming note: our next podcast is going to be recorded on December thirtieth. So, three match days will go by before our next podcast, and it will be uh, a mid-season review we will have our squadra finora which will be our team of the half season we'll also have our crap on a cracker 11 which is our flop team of the half season and ours is different from everybody else's flop teams you had to have played and you had to have proven you sucked um we don't take players that signed for big money and sat on the bench all season we you had to have played and you had to have shown you were awful so that's how that one works um so uh, do look out for that. We'll be recording that. Something for you to look forward to as we approach 2019. Um, you know, so this will be it before uh, Christmas hits. There's three match days coming up ahead. Uh, some great games uh, over those match days, and uh, you know, for the for Richard, I think this is the first time in a long, long time, maybe if ever, uh, that Serie A is playing games over the, uh, you know, over the holidays. Uh, a full 10 day. 10 game slate December 22nd, December 26th and December 29th. ninth. going to be pretty interesting. What do we look out for there?
1: You know, make sure you're not doing anything. Cause you're going to, be want to be going to be on a TV around the TV and watching all those games. Uh, happening all at one time that's uh, that's fantastic I'm just gonna watch Calcio I want to watch as much, much as possible we saw games like Spa and Kievo actually be entertaining so I just want to watch as much as I can how about you is there anything you're looking for in particular
0: I agree I can't wait for the uh, I, I personally cannot wait for the um, uh, Juventus Roma game on Saturday while I think it's pretty predictable that Juventus are gonna go on and win it um, uh, you know I still want to see it Milan Fiorentina. Uh, very interesting game. How do Milan react after a disappointing draw with, you know, basically going to play that Fiorentina team with no midfield. Um, that'll be interesting as well. And obviously the games, you know, corresponding after that, um, you know, there's certainly some, some places that you can look and certainly going to be some intriguing games. Uh, uh, we'll have a lot to digest when we do that recording on December 30th. I don't think we're going to recap 30 games when we do that one, Richard, I think that's just going to be all about talking about the half season.
1: You never know though. No, that's kidding.
0: Yeah, you never, yeah. Yeah. We want to do like a four hour podcast. Right. So, um, you know, the, and, and yeah, the, 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 everybody's snickering right now. Listening to this. Don't worry. We, we can do it. That's, that's how much we love our Cal We can talk about it for that long. So, um, but, uh, but anyway, so that's the programming you note. Know, December 30th, we will record our, our mid season pod uh, we'll probably throw a guest in there. Um, you never know. But um, anyway, that's where you can find us. You go to at Seria, sit down. We have our own page on iTunes. We have our own page on SoundCloud. You can follow us on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. Now, those of you on Spotify clicking onto us, thank you. Uh, you know, do give us a like and do recommend us. Uh, we, it means a lot to us. So um, that's it for now. Uh, let me pass along my best wishes to all of you for a merry Christmas, a happy Hanukkah, a happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you celebrate. Buon Natale, uh, Buon Natale. Uh, you know, I hope that uh, uh, you and yours, uh, you know, enjoy the time um, and uh, you know, be able to have some time with your family. That's that's very important. That's what it's all about. And um, and uh, best wishes uh, for a wonderful holiday season uh until then rich for richard i'm frank uh we're we're setting sit down from world football index and as always please be sure you're telling your paisans about us ciao